Welcome to the VP Live Network. Your 30-second countdown has begun. This show is intended for adults of legal smoking age, and as such, the content is not intended for viewers and listeners under the age of 18. Vapor's Place is in no way responsible for the opinions of any host on the VP Live Network. Please grab a vape, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hi, what's going on? Uh, let me see, I should check. All right, good. I Well, I had to check audio levels because, you know, about the time I didn't, I would be screaming at you and blowing your ears out when I'm just talking. Um, it's bad enough you have to listen to me when I am actually yelling. Because, um, you know, that shit happens too. So, um, here, here I... Uh, as vapors, we should all be pissed off about this. And I seem to be the only one that is. Um, because, you know, we get we get all pissed off when people talk about our batteries exploding. Because they're not exploding. They're venting. There is a difference between venting and exploding. Okay? These fucking cell phones are venting. Watch some of the videos. They're not exploding. Stop fucking saying that. And vapors are saying it. That's that's the the absolute stupidest thing I have seen all week. No, it's not, but it's the it's just one of those stupid little things that vapors should know better than to say, but vapors are now saying it because it's not an e-cig, you know, because we we try to hammer into people's heads constantly. Our e-cigarettes are not exploding, the batteries are venting. But yet when it's our cell phone, let's jump on the hype train and say they're exploding. So now and it's that's what I'm going to bitch about on the show. The things that are really pissing me off this week, I'm not going to talk about um, because, yeah, just because. Um, people shouldn't be dying. People shouldn't be looting. Um, yeah, all of that. That is the top of my pissed off list. All of that senseless nonsense. That's the top of my pissed off list. But we're not going to go over that on this show because it's just too much. Okay. But your cell phone is not in danger of exploding. Dynamite, C4, plastics, those things explode. What's happening to your expensive-ass cell phone that you had to have is venting. Okay? Just so we're clear on that. Because it's bugging the crap out of me. Just saying. But it is distracting me from, I guess, the major shit that is just making me sick at heart. So, there's that. Um, I, when I get done cussing, <laughs> I am going to play uh, Brent Stafford's newest release from Regulator Watch. And if you don't check out RegulatorWatch.com as of yet, you should be. I love what this guy is doing. So I am, I'm going to play that. 
Um, and I'm going to hope that when he listens to my show, he forgives my vulgarity. Um, so, yeah, sorry, Brent Strafford. And thank you very much for allowing me to play your audio on my show. I appreciate it. Listen to this one, guys. Killjoys and Puritans. That's how the tobacco industry described the anti-smoking lobby during the height of the smoking battle in the late 1970s. A Tobacco Institute spokesperson in a scathing attack said that anti-smokers are a small but vocal core of neo-prohibitionists, essentially a joyless tribe who want to manage everyone else's life. Certainly, this stinging critique of its enemies was in the tobacco industry's self-interest, but how far off was it? And could the same be said today of the public health movement and its war on vaping? After what seemed to be a quiet summer across Canada, many vapors continue to suffer. In Quebec, prohibitionist regulations have shut down online sales within the province, allowing tobacco enforcement to demand access in order to search the homes of individuals operating home-based mail-order businesses. If a suspicious quantity of vapor product is found, it could be seized as tobacco contraband. The Quebec provincial government is also stifling freedom of speech, banning retailers and their employees from sharing news stories, articles and medical research about vaping with customers. But Quebec is not alone. Alberta Health Services is also stifling speech, barring its healthcare workers from answering questions about vaping or recommending vaping as a safer alternative to smoking. Joining us today to discuss some of the motivations behind the public health crusade to ban vaping is Chris Snowden author of the highly acclaimed book, Velvet Glove, Iron Fist, which is a detailed history of the anti-smoking movement beginning as far back as 1604 with King James I of England. And in 1604, James published an assault on smokers and smoking, the counterblast against tobacco. Why did he write the counterblast? I mean, where, where did the stand against tobacco come from? Do we know? I suspect that it was not much more than he hated the smell of it. The, the word stink appears 12 times in Counterblast. The word smell appears five times. I think it might have come as a real shock to him when he moved down from Edinburgh right. to Scotland, how much smoke was going on. Foreign observers at the time commented at how amazed they are at people smoking everywhere, in theatres, in the streets, in the shops, and in the bars. You didn't have smoking like this really anywhere else in the world. Chris, thanks again for coming on the show. Your work really is impressive. Here's my copy of Velvet Glove Iron Fist with all of its dog ears. Please tell our audience, why is it did you write this book? You have books about the tobacco industry, you have books about tobacco as a product and all this kind of thing. Um, but there wasn't a single volume just about the anti-smoking people, not about the industry or the users or whatever, but just about the people who were trying to ban it. Um, you, you got it with alcohol, you got it with drugs, but you didn't have it with tobacco. So I decided ultimately to write that book. Do you find there are similarities between all of the prohibition movements? The same people who are after tobacco are the same people who are after vaping, who are the same people who are after sugar and, and alcohol, but they just now call it a public health movement. Chris, why do you think some jurisdictions have been able to ban vaping so easily? If you look at how long it took to get smoking bans uh, and how gradual it was into workplaces and then into bars and clubs and, and now in, in some places outdoors, that was a huge effort and it encountered a lot of resistance, rightly so in my opinion. Um, but with vaping bans, they're just tacked on now. They're just tacked on and nobody asks about it. Partly because people are so used to being bossed around really by the government. Um, that smoking bans were a big precedent in, in that respect. That it seems perfectly natural just to 
apply it to vaping without anybody really saying that it, it is bad for you, you know, secondhand vapor. No one really makes that case very much that there's any health hazards. If it's not, as you say, the health hazards, Chris, then what do you think is behind the vaping bans? I think there's a strong moral element amongst some, but not all, of the people who are campaigning against these things. I think a lot of them would have been well suited to the Anti-Saloon League and the Anti-Cigarette League and uh, all these organizations from 100 years ago. So public health has a bad case of moral superiority then? Yeah, it's exactly that. They feel completely morally justified in what they're doing. They don't think essentially that people are actually enjoying the things that they are doing. They don't think that they have a true preference for what they're doing. They think in some way they're being manipulated usually by industry or possibly their peers. Chris, you mentioned the industry. I've often thought there might be a bias against vaping because the vaping industry blew up so fast and a lot of people are making a lot of money off of it. Yeah, I think a lot of these people think that making money is morally suspect to start with. But to make money from a drug or to make money from something that is risky or unhealthy, I think is totally unacceptable to them. You're not going to be a free market ideologue if you're in public health. The whole thing about public health is industry is to blame for people's decisions. Right? Nobody really wants to do these things. They've been manipulated by industry. Therefore, we have to destroy the industry. We have to take over the packaging. We have to decide how much things cost. We have to ban the advertising. All the main levers of capitalism are anathema to them. So you're not going to find many free market capitalists who are very keen on public health. Chris, you hold a pretty decided opinion about public health. Was going after the movement part of the intent of your book? Well, there ended up being a message there. You know, I um, am a free market liberal. I don't basically like being told what to do for my own good. At the same time, when I first got the idea of writing the book, I genuinely wasn't ex expecting it to turn out the way it did. And I wasn't planning on going after them, as you, you say. I just thought it would be an interesting and maybe slightly quirky story about some fairly eccentric people. But I just found with the later part of the story, you know, um, from the 90s, really, there, there was so much, um, sort of so many lies being told and so much manipulation of the evidence and the truth. And it was kind of difficult to remain neutral on that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, when you read Velvet Glove, I'm, I've clearly picked a side. There's no, there's no getting around from that. You try and present the facts as, um, as objectively as you can. But, you know, there's no way I can pretend to um, to not disagree with people like Stanton Glantz or Simon Chapman and these people who I just see as, as, as bullies, really. Chris, just so our audience knows who you're referencing, Simon Chapman is a professor in public health at the University of Sydney. He's an acclaimed anti-smoking advocate and a vocal campaigner against e-cigarettes. Stanton Glantz, who you also mentioned, should be very familiar to our viewers. Quite simply, he's the man who beat big tobacco, often called a crusader of the anti-tobacco movement. Glantz is also a vocal vaping critic, bolstered by his own research conducted at the Center for Tobacco Control Research and Education at the University of California, San Francisco, for which he is the director. Chris, you use Chapman and Glantz as examples of a public health bully. Why? They're the worst kind of coercive paternalist. Uh, they just don't seem, they just don't seem to appreciate that uh, some people just want to live their lives in a different way. They attack individuals, whether they be smokers or vapors, um, using the pretext that they're actually attacking industry, but they're not. So they actually think they're liberating people. That's when you have a real problem, when you have paternalists who completely disregard what people actually say they want to do and disregard what they actually are doing and it gives people the sense that they have that high moral ground 
and that everybody who disagrees with them is either deluded or compromised. Chris, as you know, there are big players like Public Health England and the Royal College of Physicians that have come out in support of vaping for harm reduction. Should vapors just hope for more health authorities to do the same? Why do we have to hope that these people will kind of stick their thumbs up rather than down? It's great that Public Health England have come out and said that, you know, we think that e-cigarettes are 95% safer than vaping and we encourage them. But what, what if they had said the opposite? And I think which they quite easily could have done. If they'd have done their review a couple of years earlier, they would have said this looks like a gateway. We don't want to. We don't want to encourage it. Why? Why is it any? Why do we have to be told what to do with these people in the first place? Who are they? From where do they get their authority? Who voted them in? Finally, Chris, what do you think the future holds for vaping? I'm very, very confident about the whole vaping thing, and I, I'm in a way quite pleased that some of these public health dinosaurs have put their name on the record time and time and time again uh, to spread disinformation about vaping because I'm absolutely convinced that we will look back in the not very distant future and it will be universally agreed that vaping was a good thing. Well, that's it for this edition of RegWatch. Before you head off, please like us on Facebook and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. For RegulatorWatch.com, I'm Brad Stafford. So I listened, I, I don't listen, I watch, I watch his videos. Every time he puts up a post, I'm watching it. A lot of what he says and a lot of the information that he provides is based on what's going on here in the U.S. He is in Canada. So he talks about what happens in Canada too. But if you notice, Canada is following closely at the heels of what these FDA regulations are forcing on us. So if you if you're not listening to his videos, you really really need to. Um, it's regulatorwatch.com, and the gentleman's name is Brett Strafford. And I absolutely have mad respect for what this guy is doing and what he continues to do. I love it. Um, the other stuff I wanted to talk about. Well, okay, wait, wait, stop, back up. Before I owe Shiny, um, the author that he was speaking to, okay, Christopher Snowden, Jan talks about this book all the time. It is Velvet Glove Iron Fist. I don't think that vapors have paid enough attention to this book. Because what happens, the historical facts that he tells you about and the information that's provided in this book will make all of the vaping regulations make a whole lot more sense in your head. If you couldn't understand where this stuff was coming from, that book will make it make sense for you. I'm sure there's probably an audio version of it somewhere. I don't know. Um, maybe I'll check on my Audible. Yeah, I've got Audible credits this month. Maybe I'll check on Audible. But if not, um, I'm sure there's an electronic download that I can buy so I can read it on my tablet. Um, of course, holding books is not something my dysfunctional hands can do. Um, and so for your first Oh Shiny... To tell you about how dysfunctional my hands have been this week, um, I have dropped 
the eggs coming in from the chicken house twice this week. Um, the first time I, I broke nine eggs. Um, the second time I only broke seven. So that left me two for that day. <laughs> it's not, it's not been, it's not been a good hand week. Um, I, I did create a Facebook tag location for the house here. <laughs> and so, um, if you see me posting from Kurzweil's Country Shack, um, that would be here at the house. Just so you know, in case you couldn't have figured that one out. Um, and, and yes, um, when every time I... Yes, when I drop the eggs, Ruger is very nice and shiny because the dog is who I call to clean it up. Um, I pick up all the shells and Ruger cleans up everything else. Um, you know, it's just what happens when you are... Well, I'm not, I'm not a farmer. I wouldn't, wouldn't be quite technically called a farmer. Um, I live in the country, so I can't be a little mini urban homesteader anymore. Um, I don't know. Let's just go with country folk. Yeah, we'll just we'll just go with country folk. Um, we did get a rooster. Uh, Ruger, Ruger, and the rooster get along just fine. Um, I was worried that that was going to be a little bit of a problem. I was thinking that my bird dog might actually turn into an actual bird dog if the Ruger, if the rooster went after him, and that hasn't happened so far. Um, so that's good. So we'll see. Um, we'll see. Maybe, maybe I get baby chicks. I don't know. We'll see. Here's hoping. I don't know. Um, my hands have been so ornery this week that when I got a, a really good deal on a 50-pound bag of onions to dehydrate, that um, I have been using my electric slicer. <laughs> I couldn't even, I, yeah, I don't even dare run the mandolin this week. I would probably, I don't know, cut off a finger or something and, you know, that would just really suck. Other than that, um, that's, that's about all for the little urban homestead or whatever you want to, I don't know, whatever the fuck you want to call my house, but there's that. Um, the other thing that I don't know if everybody was aware of or not, today, um, not today, <laughs> I am just stumbling all over everything tonight, sorry. Miss Jan Johnson, the wonderful anti-nanny, had a birthday this week. Happy birthday, Jan. Um, I posted a meme on Jan's wall for her birthday and I, I got a really ornery I am about it. Um, people, if you're going to bitch at me, you might, if you actually want bitching at me to do some good, um, you should probably just do it in public because when you do it in private, it just makes me laugh. But, um, I posted a little meme on Jan's timeline because you know Jan always talks about Florida being the waiting room of the dead and this meme was this little old lady and it says I got a birthday card from the funeral home I'm not impressed they only want me for my body and that 
pissed somebody off. Seriously, folks, there is enough real shit going on in the world to be pissed off about. That little meme shouldn't even blip the radar. Honestly. <laughs> if, if that is what you find offensive in the world this week, your priorities are just upside down. Really. Um... Yeah, it's just, it's it's kind of pointless, folks. I just, I don't know what to tell you. Um, so, what else is going on in the vaping world? Oh, I don't know. Um, cartoon characters on e-liquid are still a thing. I've seen... 8,000 posts, people bitching about it. And I agree with all the people bitching about it. I completely agree. I see all these posts, people talking about how it's pointless to bitch about these things. No, it is not pointless to bitch about these things. If one person listens to this replay in the next six years and thinks that cartoon characters are stupid and asinine on e-liquid and they say something to their brick and mortar shop that they think that this stuff is asinine and ridiculous and they shouldn't carry it then my bitchin' did some good Pokemon for fuck's sake what are these people thinking? What are these distributors thinking? What are these shops thinking? And what are you thinking? A, either buying this crap. Or B, buying product from a shop that's carrying this crap. Think with your money. Yes, bitch about it on Facebook. Bitch about it on Twitter. Bitch about it on, 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 on Instagram. Oh, by the way, I just found out today that all of that crazy ass hashtag bullshit is is how you're supposed to do Instagram. I didn't know that, and here I just posted pictures of drip tips. I did not know that, but Joe Smith, thank you very much. Uh, Joe Smith educated me today because Joe always has like thirty fucking hashtags on his posts. And, and I found out today that that's because that's how you're supposed to Instagram. Hmm. You know what that tells me? I'm too old for Instagram. I had no clue that that's what you're supposed to do. The whole hashtag thing has never made any sense to me. Now I know why. Because I'm old. Just saying. Um... But yeah, so so if you if you want to complain about this stuff on on whatever social media platform, be my guest. I'm not going to yell at you about that. Be my guest. It may spark a single conversation. 
and allow you to explain to someone or multiple someone's why this is counterproductive to this industry. Because that's what I don't think these people understand. I understand, and it's my, it's, okay, it's my assumption, and yes, I know what assumptions can do, but it is my assumption that these people are in this for the quick buck. Don't let them make a quick buck. Meet organizers. Stop allowing these assholes booth space at your events. Brick and mortar shop owners. Stop allowing these assholes space on your shelves. If people continue to buy this crap, that's why it is flooding into this market. Do I think a lot of it is high dollar uh, promotion? Yes. I do. And if you don't think that there is high dollar promotion going on in vaping, you're not paying attention. Am I guilty of not paying attention to a lot of stuff? Yep. But mostly it's the stuff I don't give a shit about. If you care about vaping, if you care about this industry, then pay attention. Us paying attention to what is going on and the products that are being put into the spotlight is important to us. So why is it important? Well, if it's being put into the spotlight, we are not the only ones that are seeing it. And do we want assholes like Stanton Glantz to be able to stand at a hearing and hold up this juice box container or what appears to be a juice box container which is actually an e-liquid packaging or a cartoon character package and say see they're marketing to children you are only proving their point And, you know, I'm, I'm not against great flavors in e-liquid. I'm not. My all-day vape for five years was banana milkshake. Yep. And I'm an old lady. Banana milkshake. So f- flavors are not just for kids. Anybody in Congress that stands up and says that, you know, these flavors only appeal to children, um, they're idiots. That is not a, um, 
statement of fact. That is my personal opinion. My opinion is they're idiots. You know, and I, I try to not call politicians idiots. It's just sometimes there isn't a better word. But if it continues to be okay and an accepted practice, we're in deep trouble. Public perception is about 70% of our battle, in my opinion. We have a very bad public perception. And stuff like that isn't helping it. It's just not. If you if you think that I'm wrong, you can go ahead and message me or email me and, and tell me that I'm wrong. Explain to me why it is that you think that I'm wrong. Because I have tried to look at this from every angle. And from every single one of those angles, this shit is bad for us. I know that there are people out there that just don't care. They want to make some quick money and go. But we really control whether they make money or not. And the only way to make them actually care is to make them poor. In other really sad and depressing news, um, Enjoy filed for bankruptcy. That really bothers me. I think it is absolutely horrible that Enjoy has filed for bankruptcy. Um, I always have, um, since the ECC, VCC, Niagara, um, there was there was a ECC or a VCC. Sorry, I don't remember which it was um, in Niagara Falls. And when I went up to that event, um, they were giving out the Enjoy recharges at the front door. Everybody that walked through the front door could have an Enjoy recharge. And I got a vanilla one, and I thought, well, you know, my mom will like it. I tried it, and it was really pretty good. And um, needless to say, ended up buying another so that I could continue to have one and my mother could have one. I always have one in my purse. It's got that neat little case thing it goes in and away it goes. And if I walk out the door without a vape, which happens quite often... Um, I've got something in my purse. It's there. And I really like the recharge because for what it was, it was a pretty good little sick alike. I, I think it's 
terrible that something that big and that popular um, leads to bankruptcy. That it bothers me on several different levels. I know there are a lot of people out there that in the minute anybody mentions a sigalike or a low power piece of a gear, they all start bitching. Shut up. Again with that. Shut up. Other people's gear doesn't have to work for you. It has to work for them. And here I sit bitching about people bitching. Yep, I'm bitching about people bitching. It's what I do. I try to point out the foolishness of some people. I don't think I don't think that not just those people, but but all of us, even me, I say some really ignorant shit sometimes. And until somebody says it back to me, I don't realize how stupid it was. Or we all say something based on the facts we have at the time. And then we get different facts and we're like, oh, well, shit, that was kind of dumb. I wish I hadn't said that. Because, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? In some cases. But these sigalikes and, and these things that are in the 7-Eleven and the, and the stop and go and the, and the Acorn and the Mini Mart and the what the hell ever. Those things are where a lot of people started their vaping journey. That just sounds foolish when I say it like that. But yeah, their vaping journey. I was one of those people. It wasn't from a convenience store. Um, I had actually ordered a blue online. Um, the blue did not work for me, um, but it did keep me off of cigarettes until I got my first 510 kit. So, yeah, that thing is what got me to hear. And when I say got me to hear, I don't mean sitting here with a DNA 200 and a subohm tank or a, or a vapor shark and a, and a Nautilus mini. I don't, I don't mean any of that. That's not what I mean when I say what got me here. What I mean when I say it got me here is six and a half years not smoking. That's what I mean. Six and a half years. That matters. That you didn't like what equipment I started with doesn't matter. I I read a post this week um not in not in the DIY group that I help admin but in another DIY group that is the DIY equivalent of people bitching about cigalikes somebody was just starting to mix and they were mixing up single flavors and talking about how great it was 
And a bunch of people chimed in on this post laughing at them and literally laughing at them, pointing, you know, kind of like they were standing there going, ah, ha, 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 that these single flavors were shit. Wait until they started real mixing. Most of the people that know me <laughs> or have spent any amount of time listening to me will know without me saying how much that thread pissed me off. Who the hell are these people? Who are these people to cut down what somebody else thought was great? I mean, seriously, what the fuck? If that single flavor watermelon e-liquid was making that man happy, that is wonderful. Here's the here, here is the thing about e-liquid. It's the same as gear. What is one person's cup of tea? is not necessarily the next person's or the next 10 people or the next 100 people. But instead of beating people down and making them feel less than you, how about we try congratulating people? We try being happy that they have felt some form of success for themselves. You don't have to like it. They do. The whole... The, the don't be a dick rule, guys. How many times do we have to explain this rule? There's, there's too much. I have just had up to my ears. I'm, I'm missing my... I was on a very limited amount of social media for three months. I'm starting to miss it. Oh, somebody's on the phone. Hi. Hey, Jeannie, Sean. Hi, Sean. How are you? Not too bad. What's going First on? time I think I've been able to listen to your show in a month. Well, you're a little busy. Yep. Hey, do you want me to call in Brent? He's a really good friend, and uh, I know he's uh, he's available if you want him to have a fast uh, intro on your show. Oh, really? You can do that. Honestly, how do I do this? Can I just can I just tell can I just teleconference him in from here? Yeah. I'll just, let me see if I can just, yeah, hold on a sec. Um, guys, this, this just goes to show you it's, it's not who you are, it's who you know. 
He's making me beep. Oh, yeah, guys, and that is it's Sean Casey from Flavor Art. Most people would know him as Niagara Kayaker. Eugenie? Yes, sir. Brent? Yes, hi. Well, hello. Hello. Hi. Hey, I'd like to introduce you to Brent Stafford, okay, of Regulator Watch, um, an esteemed uh, colleague and friend, and uh, you were talking uh, very highly of him, so I thought I would just text him and see if he would be free to talk on your show for 10 minutes, and you let me ask him some questions. Hello, Jeannie. Hi. Um, I, I was <laughs> nice to meet you. It was nice to meet you too. I this is very unexpected. Thank you very much. Well, Sean is known Sean is known to make things happen. Oh yes, he is. That that I can attest to. <laughs> um, <laughs> you always Well, very nice to meet you. Please ask it to your to your reviewer then I take it. No, she's a talk show host. Yeah, I do. I do a podcast yeah, so I, on vaping all the time, and every time one of your videos come up, um, they show right up in my feed so that I can watch them. And you put out fantastic content. Oh well, thank you. I mean, it is I mean, it is appreciated from us here. As well, I mean, not only I know that Canada is your main focus because you're Canadian, but there there is so much correlation to what goes on here, and I just I just don't think that enough people that I know knew you were out there and the content that that you provide continuously. Oh, I lost them. Sean hung up on me. I did. I lost my damn phone call. There they are. They're back. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, Jamie. Yes, sir. Right at the moment, you're right at the moment you're about to like uh, you know shower me with a bunch of great things. You, you cut out. <laughs> I did, I did. I showered you with a bunch of things. Um, and and I sound all all fangirly, and I guess I am, um, because well, I didn't hear I didn't hear any of them. I didn't hear any of them. <laughs> and by the way, when you Go listen ahead, to this replay, um, yeah, I'm, I feel I feel cheated out of out of the ego stroke there, Jeannie. Well, I mean, you put you put so much work into your into your videos and the content that you provide. It just amazes me. I mean, I come on here every week for an hour and and I feel like I'm just rambling and rambling and rambling. You are always so on point and your videos are so well put together. Um I could never imagine sitting down and talking with 
the author of Velvet Glove Iron Fist ever. Um, I have a I have a friend of mine who does a show called Anti Nanny, and she talks about that book constantly. Mm. I, I don't think right. I would ever be comfortable being able to strike up a conversation with him or keep it on point. You know, uh, keeping things on point are, is always hard. I have that wonderful benefit of um, heavy post-production. So we, I can talk to somebody for about an hour and, and can actually distill it down um, into what we, uh, what we put in our videos. You know, Judy, I'm curious actually about that. One, one question I've not actually had an opportunity to ask um, somebody who's got a good sense of these things is, do you think that the videos are too long? No, absolutely not. I have never sat through one of yours and thought, when is this going to be over? Ever. Do you have any questions for me? Because um, I got a couple for you, but you're the interviewer. You have <laughs> No, um, actually, I am, I, my interview skills are severely lacking. Um, I have a, my friend Jan <laughs> refers to my show as the, the kitchen table of vaping. So there's that. Sure. <laughs> um, when you where said, where are you located? Where am where I located? located? I am. I live in Tennessee. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Interrupt. Go ahead and ask your question. Oh no, I would. I see now. I'm on the spot and I'm mumbling. Um, that happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Where, when you sat um, down and you decide, you know, what I'm going to do three weeks from now, do you have a certain criteria that you go over? Or are you just reading what's going on lately in, as far as vaping is concerned and, and attacking those points? Is that where you come from? That's a good question. I, I think it's a mix of, of, of things. I, uh, you know, regulatorwatch.com is built on a traditional media uh, sensibility. I've been in broadcast news for 25 years, but solely now producing in the realm of my own stuff, distributed online. But uh, we still apply a very uh, a new sensibility to it. And so, but with television, you have such a high, uh, um, you have a high degree of expense that's both time and effort and dollars that go into it. So just like producing any, you know, high quality television, you don't have the same ability to just kind of rip and read uh, is the old news term for it uh, to be able to just, you know, you know, a lot of, you know, video bloggers do that on YouTube. They're able to turn stuff around that day uh, very quickly. And they do that all the time for us. It's, it's more different because there is such a commitment of resources to something. So generally, a story that we're doing, a video we're doing, is sitting with inside a matrix, an editorial calendar. Whether that's exactly mailed to events that are happening uh, by date, which sometimes it does, like in Canada when the CDA was filing its um, charter challenge in Quebec, that was definitely going to be oriented towards you know some actual timing that we had to hit. But in the other, in other cases. What it is is me just taking a look at what's happening in the vaping environment and then planning out three to four weeks in advance what I'm going to do. Mostly, you'll find that I'm, I'm handling issues that I think that 
are not being handled well in any other kind of media form on vaping. So nobody else, for, the, for this one particularly this week, um, I've got a bone to pick. This is something I can't say in the video, so I'll say it on your show. But <clears throat> good or bad, I really do feel that there is a strong bent of progressivism that's inside the uh, anti-vaping community. There are progressives on, on the very far left. And I, it always strikes me as astonishing that so many vapors are probably progressive themselves. They don't understand the things that they believe in politically empower the public health movement to do what they're doing uh, to them as vapors. So it, it's a big contradiction. And it's something, and there's an example of kind of a larger meta that I try to tease out uh, in the videos. And what you saw this week is, is a lead into. Uh, what's going to be two uh, videos featuring an exclusive interview with Stanton Glass that uh, we uh. did about a month and a half ago. Uh, yeah, so and, and so they're all going to be knitted together. And I'm happy to say, actually, that Flavor Art, Sean, Sean's company, has come on as one of our supporters, which is great, and uh, they're supporting the Stanton Glass series. So we can't do it without our supporters. So. Well, and I'm really glad that somebody could sit down and talk with that man um, at this point, I don't think that I could say anything to him that wasn't a string of cuss words. Um, and by the way, if you if you ever listen to this entire replay again, um, let me start out by apologizing for my prof profuse cussing. I swear a lot. Um <laughs> And and you'll hear you'll hear uh, me no, apologize I, I, for that I, I, to don't start with. Good rose, Judy. It's all, all good for me. Um, I don't. I I just Stanton Glance. I do not understand how this man got the political pull and this the reputation as public's health's number one supporter because he's not either of those things you know he's he's not and most of the time we hear him speak here in the u.s and people just want to throttle him um so you know i will be i will be glad to hear this interview um but i can tell you right now i will be sitting here swearing because I just, I don't understand well, his driving. I don't understand how he can say he is such a supporter of public health when he, from my view and my shoes, is anything but that. Yes. Uh, yes. Well, obviously, I can't say too much because the videos are not out yet. So, yes, you can. Um, but, you know, what I can say is that, you know, you're definitely going to want to watch them, and you're definitely going to water in his neck. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be, you know, just like the last so, time he I mean, spoke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. But I think what's really interesting, though, about it, though, is is that, um, I mean, you know, you know, Regulator Watch and I certainly, we, we, we picked a side um, in terms of this issue. But that doesn't mean that we don't apply, you know, fact-based, evidence-based reporting. And it's not like that we have, we absolutely still have to be fair to the people that we interview. So, you know, we were fair with Stan. There's no screening match or anything like that. But he certainly got, you know, as much rope to continue hanging himself 
um, as possible. Uh, and, you know, happy to say, you know, there, there are going to be some surprising things that he said. Um, but um, there's going to be some things that you've heard from him before and you just are going to want to wring his neck. So, um, but you'll, you know, come and watch it on Red Watch and, and, and see it again. One thing that I find that is very interesting with Stan West, and it's not, he's who he is, and, and he admits who he is. I mean, he's got a bit of a kind of curmudgeon charisma about him uh, uh, that he has. But what I find is that Vapors, uh, when it comes to Stanton, when, when I go online and do my research to see what Vapors have been doing in terms of, you know, trying to, you know, attack him or, or trying to spin the narrative, what they're doing is they're grabbing like that one tiny little piece of him at a conference in Hawaii or somewhere else where he's spoken half kind of positive about e-cigarettes and then they take that out and then they put it on YouTube or something and they say, well, look, he's talking about e-cigarettes and see, he's actually saying something good about it. I'd rather have 20 minutes of him beating up e-cigarettes. Uh, because it's just further revealing his position on it, you know, formally in front of a, a, a vaping audience and not just to a bunch of people that, you know, uh, don't care about vaping. And, and I want him doing that in the context of, of him, him having that conversation with a regulator watch. And, and he did. And I got to give him credit for, uh, for immediately jumping to the interview. So I'll tell you, Jeannie, uh, I've had a, really, really good experience uh, working with Brent for the last year. We've become pretty good friends. And Brent is a consummate expert in his skills in questioning and researching a subject and understanding how to position the subject to make the interviewee comfortable and at the same time get out information. And, uh, um, you know, the, the issue has been for me, Jeannie, is that Americans don't get what we've done in Canada and how valuable in public affairs, media, communication, the Reg Watch thing has been for my organization, the CDA. And I've been trying to communicate that to the Americans and the advocates out there at large with quite honestly disappointing results. And, uh, so the good news is is that um, I've convinced Brent to focus on United States, and uh, and second good news is I've convinced him to come down to the Safada uh, membership conference that's being held next month in Florida, um, and uh, and uh, I hope to be able to introduce him and uh, do my job as a sales guy to com- communicate uh, advocacy focus. Um, on this specific thing because no matter what, we just don't have enough counterfactual, uh, to use Clive Bates' term, uh, going on uh, in the American marketplace. And and Brent has really created a difference for us in Canada in our advocacy. Uh, It communicates very clearly topical issues that affect the future of this safer alternative to smoking. And uh, he's a ex-smoker, he's a vapor, uh, he's a, you know, veteran uh, at his young age uh, in, uh, you know, television journalism. And uh, and it's just, you know, I'll tell you, the first time I saw him, and, and he started this whole thing with uh, Premium Labs, buddy of ours, uh, Sammy, um, okay. Premium Labs. 
he's an awesome, awesome customer, flavor art, and um, and just you know, a good guy and a, and a strong advocate, and you know, all around does everything right. And and he started this off. He, you know, I can't take credit for that, but I latched onto it pretty quick. And um, and 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 it's independent journalism because truly, you know, CVA has zero effect over Brett and his journalistic integrity, his story decisions editorial decisions on the story we have zero impact when this is not marketing uh it's not promotion for cva in fact we don't quite honestly you know put our name on you know the fact that we're supporting the the production of this um and um and, but it's important in the states genie and that's why kind of when you brought up brent early on your show and uh, i thought you know, I need to plug him here because you guys don't understand that the fight needs this, and uh, and the fight needs the public affairs uh, of vaping being aired in a professional uh, manner. Okay, with journalistic, you know, uh, with journalists like Brent, we absolutely do, and obviously he's biased to our side, but he's going to interview anybody fairly. Yeah, right? we, and we we are in out. desperate need of that here. Um, a lot of times, no and, and you and I have both heard this so care. many times, Sean, that, well, what works in Canada won't work here. <clears throat> um, and, you know, well, and the only thing I have to say on that is, apparently, what we're doing isn't working either. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I think I I don't know. I think Sean put me on hold again. Is that beeping loud? I'll turn the beeping down. Yeah, there I'll turn the beeping down. Um I I think we have a a bandwidth issue with Canada right now. But yeah, I think it broke again. Um but that's the thing, and and we hear that a lot. Um, CVA has done a lot in Canada for vaping, um, and everybody here wants to point at that and say, you know, oh well, that won't work here in the United States because they sit there and Canada, the CVA, CVA has sat down in Canada, and what they have done is sat with the government and said, okay, look, here's where you're at. Here's where we're at. What will you give on? What can we give on? And everybody here, and not everybody, but a lot of the the people here fighting against this are saying, we can't give our government an inch. They're going to take a mile. Well, stand back, take a look, and see where we're at, guys. That's that's the thing. Look where we're at. And anybody that's going to be at the Safada meeting, make sure you go and find Brent. Make sure you go you meet this man. Because the content that he puts out is amazing. We need him to do his thing and do it here as well as in Canada. It will help us. It has the potential. Let me correct that and say it has the potential to help 
us immensely. And I agree with Margot in chat. Yes, we do need a hundred more just like him. We do. To anybody that is sitting at home or in your car or whatever, hi, Ed the Green, um, and listening to this, anybody that thinks that, that advocacy isn't working or it's pointless or whatever, um, you need to change your mind. Because without it, we're done. And I've said this repeatedly and I will say it again. And I'm going to keep saying this and sooner or later maybe some people will start listening to me. Like whatever advocacy group you want. I don't care which one it is. I don't care if it's one. I don't care if it's two. I don't care if it's all of them. Stop bashing the rest of them. There is something redeeming in every one of these groups. They've all done something useful. Cutting them down or bad-mouthing a group because so-and-so is a member. It's detrimental to our end goal. You know that phrase, take one for the team? Take one for the team. I'm done, guys. I'll talk to y'all next week.